Hey, how's it going, Champagne Sharks? Hope everyone's doing well. Just wanted to uh, do some quick house cleaning, let people know. Go to ChampagneSharks.com and you get access to all the links related to Champagne Sharks. You can go there and find it all. And you can find where we are on social media, our products, all that stuff. Also, Patreon benefits, which includes Discord server, book club night, movie night discussions, show notes, newsletter, and most importantly, bonus episodes. So definitely become a patron for $5 a month at patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks. And without further ado, here is the episode. Take care. Champagne sharks. What's up, everybody? This is Kenny sitting here with Mario. What's going on, everybody? And uh, we were just having a conversation offline. I've been, we've been, we, all three of us have been talking about these serial killer documentaries and, and uh, there's one in particular. And so I guess we can call this the serial killer episode, I guess. I don't, I don't know, <laughs> but um, it just kind of messed with me and is, it was the grim sleeper. And uh, so we've been talking about these, these things and we've been trying to, I, what I wanted to talk about was paralleling how we see um, a lot of situations when it comes to society, as far as dating, and we, you know, we have this this community of guys and these this uh, the manosphere, and then you have these incels and things like that. And what I thought was interesting is how a lot of these power simp's and a lot of these incels are like angry with women. And I didn't never draw I didn't never draw a connection between them and these serial killers from the eighties. Now I'm not right. saying I'm not saying that these guys are serial killers. I'm not saying the incels are serial killers or gonna kill someone, but I'm just saying. Okay. We need to have a discussion about we need to have a powwow <laughs> about this. What's going on with these uh with these and, people? And, man. and me and Mario was just talking, and I was watching the Grim Sleeper. The Grim Sleeper is a black man named Lonnie Franklin. And and just and you know, we we talked about this also that we didn't know this many black people were serial killers. Right. You know, and one, of the, our, most, the, yeah, go one ahead. of the most prolific serial killers in the in the history of the country. The from the, what they say. Yeah. Most the prolific, most prolific serial, killer. serial killer in the country is a black man named Samuel Little. And Lonnie Franklin, the Grim Sleeper, I didn't know I, I heard of the Grim Sleeper. I never did any research or looked into it. And once I did, I was like, I got we got to have a conversation about this because this is very disturbing. And what what's disturbing about him in particular, because Lonnie Franklin was in South Central Los Angeles. He was born in South Central Los Angeles. I forgot what high school he went to, but he's from the area. He I think believe he grew up on 81st and Western. He's from the hood. OK. Mm -hmm. And at the time when he's around doing the things that he's doing, it's roughly about 1982. All the way up until he got caught in, um, I believe he got caught. He's dead now. He got caught in 2007. He started in 1984. And he's got 10 between 20 to 25 victims and one survivor, right? Mm -hmm. And I watched this documentary on the Grim Sleeper. And it was it was a, a European fellow. Um, he is chronicling this case. And, I, and he was doing this at the time that this was on trial. So it's a pretty old documentary, probably... Um, 2012, 2013. Okay. And he found a woman to ride along with him. Now, this woman used to be an addict and she was also a sex worker and she knew Lonnie Franklin. She knew him and mm -hmm. she would go around with this man talking to other sex workers, older women and asking if they remembered Lonnie Franklin. A lot of them was, oh, yeah, I remember him. We remember him. Now, the thing about this dude that that bothered me the most was his reasoning behind why he was doing it. 
And then also, what was going on in South Central Los Angeles at that time? Wait, before we move into that, do you remember why they were saying they remembered him and all that stuff? Was there a particular reason why they were saying that? Yeah. Like, was he a weird dude? Yeah, a lot of the women that said they remembered him, one of the things that they all said that he was very weird, he was very odd. One woman Mm -hmm. said that, and she was not a sex worker or addict or anything, but she was on her way somewhere and she was going to a Tupperware party and she, it was a long, she missed the bus. And so she couldn't get to where she was going. And just so it happens, Lonnie Franken pulls up and asked her if she wanted a ride. And she said, yeah, and got in. Now this is a grown woman. She gets in the car and he just starts like driving fast down the street, turning corners. And she's like, Hey man, you going the wrong way. The way I got to go that one. He told her you ain't going to make it. That's what he told her. Damn. Okay. So he pulls out a screwdriver. He attempted to stab her and kill her. He pulled out a sheet, put it on the ground. And the only thing that saved her life was there was someone walking down the street and she started screaming, help. He dropped the screwdriver and she took off running with no clothes on. She took Mm. off running. She's the only survivor. So another woman that he, he, there's a, well, actually he has two survivors. It was her and it was a woman that he shot and she was a sex worker. She was an addict. And the way Lonnie Franklin was thinking, this is what he said out of his own mouth. He was doing these things because he knew that the people that he chose, nobody would miss them. Right. You know, now, but I want to go back into that era, uh, early 1980s, South Central Los Angeles. Now, and that's a common theme among serial killers of all of all uh, racial backgrounds. Grim Sleeper, Gary Ridgway, the Green River Killer, um, Samuel Little, who's the most prolific serial killer. They all have one thing in common. Two things. They picked up prostitutes and killed them. And the reason why they chose them is because they said they knew they wouldn't be missed. Right. Now, this brother in particular, just going back to the 1980s, and this is 1982, you know, at this time, it's like um, the crack era is exploding. The crack era is exploding. We're almost at 1984, so the, the Summer Olympics is going to be in L.A. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of that going mm-hmm. on, preparing for the Olympics. You Man, have the, the gangbanging era has yes. officially kicked this off. This is the gangbanging right. era that at its finest, I, I hate to say it like that, but yeah. this is where some of the the the... The the foundation for gang banging that we know today, even though the gang started in the 70s, to me, in my opinion, the 80s is what laid the foundation for um, modern day gang. Yes. Yes. There was there was there were gangs at the time, but there was they were they weren't gang banging until after 1979. That's when this is is the this is the original BG era where you got the the drive bys. You got the batter ram. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, Chief Daryl Gates. All of this going yeah, on yeah. in South Central Los Angeles, all at the same time that this man is going around picking up prostitutes and killing them. And nobody did anything about it. Now, when I looked at the documentary, I started doing a little research and I was trying to figure out how is it that the police know that these that this trend is going on, but nothing's being done. So what I found out is a lot of when we talk about South Central Los Angeles at that time, South Central was rendered useless. Right. Um, the people there were not supported politically, financially, you know what I mean? It was a it was it was treated as a wasteland and the right. people were treated as expendable. Yeah. So if you grew up in South Central Los Angeles during the 80s, you were not your voice was did not matter, right? So this guy he and I believe this man knew that. He knew that also what was going on at the time, you could get away with it because these are majority, he killed all black women. These are all black women, you know, so they're expendable, you know. So 
he knew that he can get away with this stuff. And when he, while he was getting away with it, there were other there were family members and neighbor neighboring people that were going to the police and telling them, hey, you know, this this stuff is going on. And one one woman who worked for an organization that was trying to um, stop this, the, the organization was called Mika. It was mm-hmm. like mothers. I think it was called Mika or something like that. Um, she was going to the police and trying to give them information. And the police knew that the gun that the grim sleeper, Lonnie Franklin, was using, the ballistics from that gun matched a whole bunch of women that had been shot because that was his thing. He would rape women and then he would shoot them. The gun, okay. the bullets matched. It was the same bullet. They said right. they're waiting for the gun to come back. What the hell? <laughs> I've never heard of that before. They're waiting on the gun to come back. So the likelihood that they would ever find a, the murder weapon, especially in that day and age, just slim to none. Slim to none. So they told her that they're waiting for the gun to come back. We 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 understand that the bullets all match all these different women that's been shot, but we don't have the gun, so there's nothing we can do about it. Wow. Lonnie Franklin himself killed a woman and called 911. There's a 911 call of Lonnie Franklin calling the police saying that there's a body in the alleyway. It was on 80 something, I think it was like 83rd and Western in an alley somewhere. And they asked him what his name was, and he says, Oh no, I gotta remain anonymous. Too many people know me. Now. The police went and picked up the body. They didn't do any investigation. That was just at the end of it. Again, you have to use perspective. What was going on at that time in South Central Los Angeles when you say a body is in an alleyway? You know what I'm saying? When they played, mm-hmm. when they finally caught up with him in 2007 and they are interrogating him and he's talking and they, you can hear his voice and they play the recording from when he made the 911 call. It's definitely the same person. Right. It's the same person. So mm. it's just it, some of this stuff. And, and I, I, it kind of messed me up reading this because I heard about this, the Grim Sleeper. I remember when all this went down and when he got caught, but I didn't ever look that deep into it. And when I jumped into this rabbit hole, I found all these similarities with these serial killers. And I found some similarities with a lot of these incels that we see online saying crazy stuff about women. Right. And um, the Green River Killer is another one. When I was growing up here in Portland, we heard about the Green River Killer. And that was everybody was deathly afraid about the, the Green River Killer. We didn't know his real name. We didn't even, we didn't know what this person, who, what this was, you know. But the Green River Killer, once I watched the documentary and I did a little research on him, it was the same thing. Now, Lonnie Franklin, um, he was married three times. And me and Mario talked about this, that he never abused his wife, any of his wives. Right. Same as Ted Bundy, what we were talking about. Right. So Ted Bundy, Gary Ridgway, the Green River Killer, and Lonnie Franklin never abused their wives. The Green River Killer was married three times. But what they did was whenever they had an issue with their wives that led to a divorce, they would take it out on prostitutes. Mm-hmm. To the point Green River Killer said he was addicted to prostitutes. Damn. Yeah, he was. A, he said he was addicted to prostitutes. And he said that he was a little more deranged. Well, I don't, I don't know why we're comparing derangement. They're all deranged, but he was a little more extra. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was a little more yeah. extra. He said that he told the police that originally he said, yeah, I, I uh, frequent prostitutes, but I didn't kill anybody. So once they found out he was killing, because um, all of these guys all got caught because of DNA. When they first started, DNA wasn't a thing in the 80s as far as like being able to connect it to a crime scene. You know what I'm saying? But in the early 2000s, that's when all of this new technology came. And he said that when he would drive past the areas where he dumped the women, he would get angry again. That's how much he hated women. He hated women so much that when he went drove past the areas where he dumped multiple women, he would get angry again. Mm, 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 mm. This dude here, the grim sleeper, 
he hated women that did drugs, drank out or drank alcohol. So he picked the right people. He had the right picking to pick prostitutes and he hated prostitutes. He hated prostitutes. He hated drug addicts and he hated people who drank. So he was taking it beyond like a lot of the like when we hear these power sims and a lot of these guys that we see online. One of the things that we find interesting and and and, and, and not saying it's a direct correlation, but it's just something to note is that they're weirdly particular and obsessive about the things that they don't like in women. Yes. So much so to the point where you're just like, all right, chill, bro. I get it. Like we all have our our things that we don't, you know, that we prefer not to to deal with in relationships. We like, you know, for example, um, I think you had mentioned you don't want to deal with nobody that's a smoker, right? Yeah, that smokes like weed or cigarettes that, or something like yeah, that. I, that's just my thing. I don't like people that smoke cigarettes. Not like people, but right. I don't want to date someone that smokes right, cigarettes. Right, right. So that's a, that's a that's a preference. Right. You see what I'm saying? Now, if you were getting on it, oh, these fucking bitches just smoke. I can't stand these whores that smoke. You know, and you were getting on the Internet ranting about it every single day. That would be a little weird. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And so these guys that get online and rant about women, you know, rather, you know, because they twerking or um, because they say that they don't want to date a bus driver. (laughs) <laughs> or you know whatever the case, whatever the case may be you know just just beginning just weirdly um obsessive with it man i'm i'm kind of side-eyeing you a little bit cuz now i'm like all right man what what do you got going on you know, but anyway, yeah. continue. But, but when we but, but when we peel face. the layers back to some of these dudes, like Lonnie Franklin, for example. Now, Lonnie Franklin grew up in South Central. He's from South Central, but he also went to the military and was dishonorably discharged for gang raping a 17 year old girl in Stuttgart, Germany. Mm, okay. So this is something that's been happening. He's been involved in something uh, on the extreme side. Now, that's interesting. Time. Now, I'm going yeah. to pause it there. That's interesting. Yeah. Because there's a certain individual within the YouTube boxing community <laughs> that uh, has anger issues and talks crazy. And, yeah. you know, we did, and they come to find out that this guy was dishonorably discharged from the military for doing something with assaulting a female um soldier and he has something on his record now to where he can't be just going around where where uh i think he's like on the sex offenders registry or something like that yes i don't know know if the sex i don't know if the sex offender list existed in the 80s Mm -hmm. i'm not sure now also this is something that mario brought to my attention at the same time that lonnie franklin is around doing these kill killings richard ramirez the night stalker is around right doing kings of the same not not in the same neighborhood but in L.A. County. And this right. is something that I said on Twitter a couple of days ago. I said, I don't think people realize there's probably 100 serial killers walking around L.A. County right now. And you weren't even you. You were playing, but you weren't I was playing. joking. You I was joking, joking, but I wasn't joking. You, right. You know right. what I'm saying? Because it was a video I saw. Um, it was a young it was a it was a actress. What's her name? Willing Willings Willingsome. I forgot her name, but uh, she's homeless. And she was on TV and she was a part of uh, Baywatch. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And just it. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes people have this image of Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they really. L.A. is the type of place that if you end up on your ass, that's your ass. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's bad. Like when you look at, you know, I was telling someone, I said, when you look in New York City, you know. You're talking about Lonnie. Excuse me, man. Sorry to cut you off. You're talking about Lonnie Willingson. Lonnie Willingson. Yeah. Yes. Willingson. Lonnie Willingson. 
she was on TV and now she's like homeless, literally on Venice Beach somewhere. You yeah, know, she in was bad shape, drugs. Yeah, she was a fitness model. She yes. used to be on the Beautiful. cover of different uh, magazines and things like that. She dated the guy that was one of the main characters on Baywatch. I don't yes. think she herself was was on Baywatch. She was just a fitness model. If yeah, I'm Lonnie not mistaken. Willison. Lonnie Willison. She's only 39 years old. And, you know, people wow. found, they saw her on the street and asked her if she wanted some help. She said no. You know, she was a swimwear model. She's only 39, you know, and she, it's just a bad situation. But a lot of people don't realize, like, you know, um, like, I remember, Mario, you were telling me a story about when you had to catch, when you were driving the bus, you were driving a Greyhound and you got stuck in downtown L.A. Skid Row. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's um, I tell you, man, I'm a grown man. And that was one of the most frightening experiences I've ever had in my life, man. And I don't see how people can 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 do it live there and and, and and be out there all the time like that, man. I, I just, um, yeah, man, I was stuck after work one day and, and um, missed the last bus on a certain part of town. So there was another part of town where the buses, there was one bus line that was still running late. Mm-hmm. And so I had to, I had to walk through Skid Row to get to where that bus was running at. <laughs> so, oh, uh, yeah, I did it. But uh, boy, I tell you, man, that was some scary shit. I ain't scary even going to cap. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, so is th- with, with that going on and you a grown man you right? Know, and, and having to deal with that, I could imagine someone else that, uh, you know, like we we're talking about these people that are being preyed upon by people like Lon- sure. by Lonnie Franklin and and, sure. uh, you know, people like that, what they're going through. And it, and I think what the documentary was really well done. And if, if anybody wants, I think I'm going to have, I'll ask Aaron to put the documentary in the show notes. Um, the name of that documentary is, it's called Grim Sleeper, the most pro- pro- prolific serial killer in modern history. And it was put mm. on by FD Crime. That's the name of the, uh, the channel on YouTube that put it together. It's really well done. Um, and I started feeling, I started like you, I went through these range of emotions when I watched when I watched that one in particular. And the reason why I, f- I felt this way is because one, I was born in Los Angeles. I was born in Inglewood, but I have family members that still live there. My mm-hmm. mother lived there at the time. At that time, you know what I mean. I still have family sure. that live there now. And to see the turmoil that was already the de- the decay that was already happening in South Central Los Angeles. And then this is going on. Right. It makes you feel kind of weird. Like we already going through this. What the fuck are you doing? Sure. Sure. And 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 mind you, uh, you talked to me about this earlier. There were several other black serial killers running around in the L.A. area during the same time frame. Now, you mentioned something about this. Now, this is how we're going to go. This is going into the Twilight Zone. So when I was doing some research on Lonnie Franklin, I found out that and it says here that over the following years, it was found that the serial killer Lewis Crane was connected to at least two of the killings that Lonnie Franklin was accused of. Lewis, now, Lewis Crane, black man from South Central Los Angeles, he killed up between four or five and possibly more people. So they had to take those killings off of um, Lonnie Franklin. Then another man named Michael Hughes. He was also found to have killed. He was a serial killer at the time. He's in prison right now. He killed up to seven plus people. Then you had Daniel Lee Siebert. He killed. Now, this man is not African-American, but he was uh, charged with murdering two women in Los Angeles at the time. Mm -hmm. So two of those killings that were kind of like unsolved cases were attributed to Lonnie Franklin. They eventually were put on him. 
Chester Turner killed 15 women. The Southside South Slayer. Chicago. The Southside Slayer. Weren't they calling a few of these dudes the South Side Slayer? Yeah, exactly. I thought at one so point. Chester Turner, Lonnie Franklin, and Michael Hughes were all called the South Side Slayer because all of these crimes were happening in South Central Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And they thought now, these were the same guy or something? Yes. Ivan right. Hill. So Ivan Hill is another one. He killed up to nine women, and he also was, quote-unquote, the South Side Slayer. So when I'm looking at all of this and using the perspective, I'm thinking about of all the things that were going on. But, you know, then I also started thinking, well, wherever there's decay in the community and crime and all of these things that, you know, happen in, uh, quote unquote, the ghetto, it only seems right that they will be there. Yeah, because first of all, think about it. You have all this turmoil. You have turmoil in the community between the community and the police. You have turmoil between the actual community members themselves speaking, you know, about the gangs and things like that. You have political turmoil. Um, and then this is the Ronald Reagan era. Yes, this is the so Reagan era. Yes, yes. You have economic turmoil. Um, there's a lot of things going on where guys like this can. And then to top it all off, they can hide behind the fact that traditionally you don't associate black faces with serial killer. Absolutely. You just don't. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. We don't think that we are we can do stuff like that. So these guys can float under the radar and in virtual anonymity and nobody would think would bite an eye. Nobody and nobody. And it was what was interesting is that uh, this when this man that was doing the documentary went to his community where the Grim Sleeper lived. He still his family still owns the house. His son lives in the house now. Now, that this is the thing. Lonnie Franklin grew up in that house. That's his parents' house. So he's been in that community for 40 years. So when his parents passed away, he had the house. So they were going around talking to neighbors. Now, when the documentary starts, you hear a lot of black people telling the white man, get the fuck out of here. We don't want you here. All of that kind of stuff. Now, as it progresses, he was able to do interviews with some of his neighbors who have known this man for 35 years. And they said that, no, this is a close-knit community. We didn't, you know, and at the time he hadn't been convicted. They thought he didn't do it. Now, as time went on in the documentary, he's talking to some of his friends. You start to realize that there's other things going on. And one of the things that I found interesting was him and his quote-unquote friends in his neighborhood had something in common. They like to go pick up prostitutes, all of them, and take pictures of them. Lonnie Franklin had a picture of a a shoebox full of pictures of women Hmm. that he was picking up. These sex workers, prostitutes. So I thought that was very interesting. And I think the reason why they were covering for him is because they didn't want to be seen as, you know, there's I guess there's some shame of being a John. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Just like, you know, there's some shame, you know, going around for being a passport, bro. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I hate that I'm doing this right now. They gonna get on my ass. <laughs> if there's any passport bros that are patrons, they're just unsubscribed. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and you know, I'm not. I have no hate towards the passport bros. You gotta do what you gotta nah, do. Okay? Nah, I'm not trying it. to. Yeah, but we uh, will uh, be cracking uh, jokes. I mean, I'm, we I'm gonna be cracking you know. jokes. Yeah, we're going to crack jokes on your head. I just want but you to we go. We gonna be serious too. To a certain degree, because, um, you know, rather we I don't want to say there's a direct correlation, but I'm going to say that there are some points of what similarity we could say in, 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 you know, some of the things that allow some of these black serial killers to skirt 
to get away scot-free and to go undetected for so long or some commonalities i should say that um you know and you got some of these brothers that are that are taking trips with the passports you know what you guys got going on man you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> what you guys, what you hide, what you running why, from? Why man? do you need to leave a whole continent to get a woman? Yeah. Explain what that, you guys, brother. What you guys doing, brother? Yeah. I need to do, where were you on, on a Thursday at four o'clock in the afternoon, brother? <laughs> you know, I want to know what the hell's going on here. Now nah, I'm bugging yeah. around. No, go ahead. Answers here. No, yeah. no. So, so you know, looking at and you know, one of one of the things that I thought was interesting was that there was three to four different serial killers going around at the same time that Lonnie Franklin was doing his thing. Let alone Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, right? right. Um, and to put all bringing all that together is like, how, what type of um, what type of how do you live? How do you live now? We all know that in South Central in the 80s, that's when a lot of people start putting bars on the windows and things like that. You know, people say, yeah, I was I was in L.A. and I noticed that all these neighbors were great, but the houses had bars on the windows. That tells you something, you know, that tells you something that something's not right. People are not being that that goes to tell you that the police do not care about this community. The police do not care. They're not going to come there and support you in anything that you have going on, any of your worries, any of the things that. Uh, are worrying you, you cannot go to the police. It reminds me of something that Tupac said. He was talking about, um, you know, the same fear element that white people have, black people have. Mm-hmm. So the same fear element that white people have of gang members, drive-bys, serial killers, serial rapists, black people have the same fear. For sure. It's not like For we, sure. because we live next door and we know that there's a rapist, we're just like, oh no, that's that's just Lonnie. No, 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 no. <laughs> If we know what's going on, we want them out the community. Right. You know, <laughs> we want them out, you know? And Facts. I remember he said that. He said that that was early in his, he was in his 20s when he said that. That dude was very intelligent beyond his beyond his years when it came to speaking for his community. Um, but I, I was I was, you know, looking at these documentaries, just the feeling. I, I got a I went, I went through a range of emotion because they would show pictures of these are young women, these are young people, you know. Um mm-hmm. And transitioning to the Green River Killer, same thing. Um, a lot of these dudes, all of them had this thing in common where something happened to them when they were young. When it was Lonnie Franklin, something happened to him when he was young, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he got when his first his first wife divorced him, and she was on drugs. And he after that, he something snapped, and he hated drug addicts. He hated prostitutes. Uh, Gary Ridgeway, the Green River Killer, he had a uh, a very weird relationship with his mom, almost like an Oedipus complex, mm-hmm. where his mom, they say his mom, and he was, he's older than, the, I think he was born in the 1940s, maybe the 50s. And he said, they said his mom would wear like these, I guess, sexual suggestive clothes for that time, you know, 1955, you know, hot right. pants and a big bouffant hair. And, you know, she would have her, you know, her chest out kind of, you know, and they said that he, uh, his mom, he hurt himself and his mom went to go wash him and he got her, he got aroused. And he always had this really weird relationship with his mother. And he was very, very religious. All of these dudes also have religion in common. Mm, okay. Lonnie Franklin was religious. His Mm -hmm. wife, his third wife, was in the church that he was Mm -hmm. married to when he got caught. Gary Ridgway was religious, very religious. They said Gary Ridgway, the Green River Curler, was so religious, he would cry in church. And also he would cry after reading the Bible. Well, bless his heart. That was an admission of guilt. Yeah. That's what sounds like. I don't think that has anything to do with being a religious fanatic. I think it was the admission of guilt. Mm, Okay. So you think that that, uh, him doing what he was doing, was he was having some type of conflict internally? 
Absolutely. Because it was going against his his uh his what belief he believed, system. his confessed religious belief system. Yeah, yeah. Or and professed, yeah. Yeah. And they said mm. that uh with him, um, he had this Oedipus complex with his mother. Um, with Samuel Little, he didn't have a mother. His mother was a, a sex worker and left him on a corner when he was a toddler. And he ended up in a boy's home and was abused sexually and physically. Mm-hmm. And he was just beat. He was sexually abused and things like that. And then he ended up in the streets and becoming the most prolific serial killer um, in the United in the United States history. And the, the thing about it is, I don't know. I don't know if we're ever going to be able to get into the mind of these people to figure out where the wires got crossed up. Because sure. I don't believe anybody is born a killer. Sure. I think what I'm sitting here listening to what you're saying about um, these guys and 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 particularly the ones that, um, you know, the most of their crimes were perpetrated against sex workers. Um, I'm wondering if a lot of these dudes were starting off with sex workers and then maybe they were going to. I wonder if they were ever going to gradually work their way up to just killing anybody. Well, that's the interesting maybe, thing. Maybe they already had and we just don't know about it because I know a few of them, you know, it's estimated that they've killed more people. We just right. don't know, you know, who they were. Because I was reading about the um, the Hillside Stranglers. Yeah. Both, yet both another Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. Another In Los LA. Angeles. Yeah. Um, and they started out killing sex workers and then eventually they worked them way, their way up to killing, you know, I don't want to use, for lack of a better term, um, regular women or non-sex workers. Right. Um, so I was wondering, like, maybe these, if, if the, any of these dudes we're working their way up to killing um, non-sex working women. Now, this is the interesting thing. And we talked about this off air. Gary Ridgway and Lonnie Franklin both were married three times, never abused their wives. They never abused their wives. As a matter right. of fact, Gary Ridgway, Ridgway's third wife had no idea that any of this was yeah. going on. And she said that it wasn't until he got caught is when she started putting together some of the stuff he would say. He would call and tell her, oh, I'm going to be late for work, uh, late for dinner tonight, or I'm going to be in late. Mm-hmm. Then that's when she started putting it together. Lonnie Franklin's family, him and his wife had issues. And they so Lonnie Franklin's son, his name is Chris Franklin. Chris had a girlfriend and this girl, they interviewed his girlfriend who would be a teenager when Lonnie Franklin was doing the things he was doing. And she said she had no idea. She said, but one thing that she noticed that was very odd is that Mr. Franklin would have pornography all around the house, like porn magazines in the bathroom. Just pornography was out in the open. It was around, you know, but she said she went on vacations with the family. She never felt like she was in danger. She felt like Lonnie Franklin was kind of odd, but she didn't really think anything of it, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. Lonnie Franklin and his wife never got a divorce. His third wife never got a divorce. But they had turmoil in their marriage. You know, there were some things that, you know, they were going through, whatever. But there was mm-hmm. never any abuse, physical abuse or anything like that. And in my mind, I looked at it like, so they took their abuse out on people that, one, couldn't defend themselves. Two, nobody cared about these people, or at least in their mind, nobody cared about them. And three, they wouldn't be missed. Wow. You know, um, Gary Ridgway, the Green River Killer, he was killing women that were as young as 15, 15, 16 year old. If they were, if they were prostituting, he would you know, pick them up and have sex with them and then well, rape them and then kill them. Right. Uh, one young man, uh, it was, the, her name was Marie, uh, Marie Malvor. She was Filipino. And uh, her boyfriend at the time said that he was in the store, came out and he saw that his girlfriend was talking to, to Gary Ridgway in the car and she got in. Now he didn't know where they was going. So when God they drove damn, what? Yeah, yeah. His girlfriend got in a car with, with the he guy? Got in the car with him and he followed him. 
And he didn't really he didn't really give a lot of information on why she got in the car, if she was a prostitute. She didn't never really. And I, I kind of my conjecture that she was out there working and he was, I guess, I don't know if he wants to say he was a pimp. I don't know. You know, right, he never right, said right. he was, you know, but he said that he followed the car because he thought it was odd that she just got in the car with this dude. And he said that when he went, went outside the store, he saw them arguing, but she still got in the car. So he followed him and he lost him. Because he got caught at a stoplight and he never seen her again. So what he did was he he drove around for a few days and he found the truck that Gary Ridgway was driving. So he goes to the police, tells the police his story, everything that happened. The police go and question Gary Ridgway. This is in 1982. Goes and questions Gary Ridgway. They let him go. Of course. With all of these dudes, there were ways they should have gotten caught. Uh, Samuel Little actually had a dead body in his car and the police pulled him over and he was able to divert their attention by uh the, the the cop pulled him out of the car now this is in florida this is in the south in the late 70s he gets pulled over by the police he just got through raping a woman and killing her she's in the back seat dead he gets out mm-hmm. the car police have him get out the car they go up to the car with a flashlight and when he the cop flashed the light on the car that's when samuel little started talking to him diverting his attention and he says they oh me and my wife we just had intercourse in the car and then wow. the cop let him go you know so there was and he said out of his own mouth that there was multiple times numerous times he should have been caught but for whatever reason it just didn't happen you know they just it it wasn't time for them to be caught yet i guess but all of these dudes had something against sex workers they had something against women period well i'm reading this biography of ivan hill you know one of the guys that you said was being considered as one of the south side slayers um grew up in a violent house um his dad shot his mom in the face with a wow. gun and she survived, but he, she, I guess she was disabled, you know, of course. So he ended up having to act as the caregiver um, at 10 years old. He said he spent his teen years in Pomona, going to Pomona High School. Uh, he was involved in sports. He was captain of the football team, mm. which is crazy. Um, mm. You don't really hear too much. So that, that dude, he, he wasn't like, he couldn't have been like a socially awkward dude. The captain of a football team is yeah. never a socially awkward dude. Yeah. Um, it said that he became addicted to drugs in 1978, lost interest in studying, um, began leading a criminal lifestyle in the, in early 1979, committing several thefts. Now, this is interesting. In January 1979, Hill, along with accomplices, committed several robberies. On January 23rd, 17-year-old Hill and his accomplice, 18-year-old Vincent Myers, robbed a liquor store in Glendora, during which Myers killed one store employee and seriously wounded another. For his crime, Vincent was sentenced to life imprisonment with no chance of parole. As a minor, Ivan Hill was found guilty of complicity in murder, but he received a short sentence due to cooperating in the investigation. So he was a snitch. He was a snitch, yeah. Um, During his detention, he graduated from high school. He later studied at one of the local colleges, after which he received parole and was released in the mid-1980s. After his release, Hill spent a lot of time in the San Gabriel Valley, constantly changing his place of residence. He worked as a day laborer, storekeeper, and forklift driver at various times. In the late 80s, he was rearrested for theft and convicted. He was released again in February of 1993. Having problems with employment, he was engaged in low-skilled labor and soon returned to his criminal lifestyle. 
1993, he committed several additional robberies. He was arrested in early 1994, convicted and sentenced to 10 years. While serving his 1994 sentence, a blood sample was taken from Hill. This is when DNA first started coming to Mm -hmm. prominence. He was due to be released in February 2004. In March 2003, They got a hit on his DNA that showed his profile corresponded to that of an unidentified serial killer who had left DNA evidence during attacks on women in several different suburbs in Los Angeles County from 1993 to January of 1994, also in February of 1986 and 1987. Mm -hmm. So then it goes into the women that he killed. Um... It doesn't say rather than, oh, yeah, they did say they were prostitutes. Okay. Um, So here's a guy who, for the most part, he had been arrested for petty theft and stuff like that. But he was involved in a more serious crime earlier in his life. Right. Which he 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 escaped the consequences of because he he did some telling. Right. So that kind of correlates to what you were saying, that at some point there was a time when police had these dudes either behind bars or, you know, had them in some type of detainment or some type of questioning or something like that and let the guy slip between their fingers. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. This is a, this is another example of that, of a guy who, um, because the police will give you a break or, or law enforcement will give you a break, you could be involved in the murder and they'll make a deal because you cooperated, they'll let you get off you know, with minimal with minimal punishment while because they just want to be able to get one guy. Right. I've never been I've never understood that. So, yeah. you know, I can't that's respect the, that's that. Sammy anyway. the Bull. That's Sammy the Bull. Right. Sammy the Bull murdered 19 people, but because they wanted John Gotti, they let him turn state's evidence, tell on him, he's out right now. He's got a popping podcast. That's crazy to me. Yeah. So you could to, to hell with the victims of the family. Right. You know, with the family of the victims, I mean, you know, just well, he told so because we wanted this other guy, even though he's got more murders on his hands than the other guy does more right. than likely. But, hey, you know what? We want the other guy more because he was he was showing us up in the media. Right. Crazy. Right. Right. But, yeah, man. So this dude, he had been in and out of jail and, and working menial jobs. And we're not you saying know? that, you know, if you commit a crime, you should be locked up for life. That's not what we're saying. No. Nah. Um, but when you when what I'm what I'm noticing is there's a there's a definite consistency with crime after crime after crime after crime like this Ivan uh this Ivan brother I don't see wh- where unless unless it was drugs that entered into his life because like you said being the captain of the football team you know graduating high school actually going to college for a little while something happened now I don't know yeah. if it was drugs if it was drugs and at that time in the early eighties more than likely it was crack or PCP right yeah. And in a drug and fueled rage, more than likely he was willing to do anything for it. So if he killed someone, if he was with a woman and, you know, because if he's on drugs, he's probably somewhere in the vicinity of other people that do drugs. Right. So he probably was involved with all, all of these women in something somewhere or another. He killed all these women. And now the I, Ivan do, the Ivan guy, he killed he killed Ivan Hill. He killed up to nine plus women. Yeah. In the area that he was doing this killing in, that's more considered. That's that's the area. It's not a lot of black folks over there. That's more um, Hispanic territory over that way out um, um, east of the 60 freeway. Yeah, because he said that because one was killed in Pomona, one in Diamond Bar. 
uh, one in Chino, one in West Covina. Oh. oh, wow. Okay. So now West Covina, that's not too far from where I live. That's, that's, that's a, a city. Yeah. Uh, Chino is more rural. That's like, it's like a lot of cow farms and stuff like that in Chino. Um, where else to say Diamond Bar? Diamond Bar is interesting. It's a lot of Diamond Bar is a lot of police officers that live in Diamond mm-hmm. Bar. Mm-hmm. But that's that's definitely east on the 60 freeway. Um, and then we all know about Pomona. And so then, uh, and he killed one lady in Ontario in San, San Antonio Park in Ontario. Damn. So yeah, he was way. Oh yeah, he he was east of the 60 freeway right. for sure. He wasn't he wasn't in like East Los Angeles or or close to like Montebello or nothing like that. And I thought that when I when they said the 60 freeway killer, I thought that they were talking about somewhere in that area because I was like, man, that's kind of like that's that's a heavily Hispanic population over that way. But um, no, nah, he was even further than that. So now, they had him linked probably because of his race to the killings in South Central. Yeah, this is nowhere near South Central. Yeah, it's nowhere near South Central. They say Bates was a prostitute in the Los Angeles area. That's the they they're they're giving a a huge pathway for what they consider in the Los Angeles area because Montclair is damn near San Bernardino County. Right. Like it's literally right on the border between Los Angeles County and San Bernardino County. It's on the end of Los Angeles County. And if you look at the dates, even the dates of his murders doesn't make any sense because he didn't start really doing this stuff. He did 1986, 1987, 1993, 93, 93, 93, 93, 93, 93, 93, 93, 93, 93, 93, 93, 93, 93, 93, 93, 1982, 1983, and all of his bodies were found in South Central. Like none of them were found in uh, uh, in uh, Glendora or San Bernardino County in Diamond. Right now, this was during the time frame of the Night Stalker. When did the Night Stalker get caught in '86? Uh, let's see, Richard Ramirez, scary motherfucker, right there, man. Yeah, Uh, Richard Ramirez was caught. He was caught in. 1985. So he was caught in 85. He was apprehended in August 31st, 1985. Okay. So this dude, Ivan Hill, I guess his first known murder was in 1986. So that was after the Night Stalker. Now, now if you wanted to compare the Night Stalker to Ivan Hill, because his murders are Monrovia, Burbank, Mm -hmm. Arcadia, Glendale, Sun Valley, Northridge, Diamond Bar. He did one in San Francisco and Mission Viejo. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so, so that's not he's South got Central Diamond either. Bar. No. Yeah, Diamond Bar, right. Diamond Bar is where Ivan Hill was one of his areas. And uh what else did you say? Monrovia. That's your hood right there. God damn, yeah. That, <laughs> <laughs> that motherfucker, he was everywhere. That's what's so everywhere. scary about him. He's man. Monterey Park, Rose. Yeah. Yeah, he was everywhere. Now that's more like East Los Angeles, Monterey yeah. Park and Rosemead and shit like that. That's like Well, that's where he got caught too. Right. He got caught in East LA. Yeah. Damn, that's so, crazy. Yeah. So I mean, you know, these this it, I don't know. I think I I just you know, the Grim Sleeper one really the Grim Sleeper one bothered me for the simple fact that this That's it, the one it, that sets you down the rabbit hole. It sent me down the rabbit hole for the simple yeah. fact that in my mind, and I think about Los Angeles, South LA at the time. And everything that was going on, and he's doing this yeah. at the same time, right? And and to and and the amazement of there's three to four different serial killers around at the same time in L.A. County, black black dudes. Mm-hmm. You know, with all of this going on, then you got Richard Ramirez. You know, I don't know if anybody has if we were ever gonna see a real movie 
for a documentary on the true L.A.? <laughs> Probably not, man, because I, I'm, I'm you got me curious now because I'm looking up some other stuff. I forgot the Hillside Stranglers were in Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. Then there was another dude running around killing people. They called him the Hollywood Ripper. Now, he wasn't a black dude, but he was killing people in Hollywood. Yeah. I'm just wondering, like, damn, at any given time, it's like you said, and you were half joking, but you were serious, too. You said, man, it's probably a hundred serial killers running around in Los Angeles right now. You you might be right, bro. I really do believe that, man. And, you know, even some I know that there's some um, brothers that's been involved in gangs that that are serial killers. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Okay, so the Grim Sleeper, his crime spree was from 84. So he was active in the, at the same time that the Night Stalker was. Yeah. It said his, he, he responsible for it. And that's that we know of. Yeah. So now, now and, 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 the, and, the, and if you're a police, if you're a part of the police force, and this is one of the things that they said in the uh, documentary about Gary Ridgway, uh, the Green River Killer, they said the reason why it was so hard to catch this dude is because when you go, you start investigating one murder 10 would happen in the next six months so where do you start this right. dude was ahead of them he was so far ahead of them that there was no way that they can really get anything going but at least unlike lonnie franklin they did have a green river killer task force put together towards down in la the police mm. didn't give a damn they didn't care until it, until they caught him and then he took all the credit when it was a group of women that actually caught uh that um not caught him but uh brought more attention to the case. And the way that Lonnie Franklin was sure. caught was his son <clears throat> caught an assault case. And so he goes to uh, jail and, you know, they're going to take your DNA, you know, um, his DNA came back with all these hits for these murders, these unsolved murders, but they knew it couldn't have been him because there was no way he was old enough to, to commit these murders in mm-hmm. 1982. Right. So they right. immediately said it must be an uncle or his dad. So they followed his dad for about six months until eventually he was at a pizza parlor having a birthday party or something like that with his family. And the police waited for them to leave. And they took some of the pizza that he ate that was in the garbage and a cup that he drank out of. Mm-mm-mm. And that's how they caught him. Okay. Oh, and then there's Michael Hughes. Yeah, Michael Hughes. is about it. He's another one that was called the South Side Slayer because he was active uh, from 1986 to 1993, killing yeah. people. Yeah. And uh, he's another one. He's another one that... Uh, was put in that group of it's just crazy god damn so that's michael hughes chester turner ivan hill yeah and lonnie franklin. Uh, lonnie franklin now there was another guy a white guy but they immediately got him out of there because he wasn't um the bodies were they was easy to connect the bodies to him okay and wow, this guy he went to la high he's from past he grew up in pasadena and uh, who's that to, uh michael hughes not what what hold he grew on up in Pasadena and then moved to LA where he attended LA High. And his background, he lived in a quite dysfunctional family as his mother was an alcoholic who regularly beat him and his sister. And at right. one time his sister became pregnant. His mother aborted the baby in front of him. During Jeez. his teen years, he had to be hospitalized multiple times for nervous breakdowns. In 1976, at age 17, he enlisted into the Navy. Did he, was he accepted in the Navy? Did he get yeah. in or? Yeah, yeah, he was in. Yeah. He was, he enlisted into the Navy where he worked as a shipmate for a few months, then worked up to be a gunner's mate. Damn. Yeah. While he was traveling, it's going to be San Diego, Michigan, Frostburg, Maryland. After he left the Navy, he moved back to California where he mostly lived on the streets, made money by selling drugs, 
Then he moved through Oakland to Long Beach and finally settled in Los Angeles. And his first confirmed murder happened shortly thereafter. Yeah. Damn. But look at his, his, his background. Like this, like when you listen to what he had, what he went through as a child, mm-hmm. his mother was an alcoholic who regularly beat him and his sister. At one time, Hugh's sister became pregnant. His mother aborted the baby in front of him. During his teen years, he had to be hospitalized multiple times for nervous breakdowns. Yeah, that shit. Seeing that probably made him snap. That yeah, shit. Your mother aborted a baby in front of you. Yeah, yeah. Shit, yeah. I don't even want to know what it did to the sister. Exactly. You know what I mean? This is a, it's a and this is not making excuses for these people for doing what they did. But I could see where mentally not, uh, something happened, something in their minds they weren't like everybody else all of a sudden. So how did, how did, um, going back to Samuel Little, who was known as the, the most, not black serial killer, the most prolific serial killer, period, in the history of the country. Um, how did he end up getting caught? Well, Samuel Little, uh, he was an old man. By the time he mm-hmm. got caught, he was in his late sixties. And the reason why he wasn't, he wasn't able to get caught is because he wasn't doing it in just one place. Mm-hmm. Now, Samuel Little, has uh, admitted to killing 93 women. And they were only able to only, you know, I don't mean to make light of that, but they were only able to confirm 60. Yeah. Only 60. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he, and the thing about him was he can remember everything about these women. They would show him pictures. He could remember everything. And mm. one of the things that the, the detective said was they felt they, they noticed that whenever he would start talking about these women, he would go into this trance or whatever, talking about it, like he was reliving it. Right. The only reason why Samuel Little got caught is because of DNA. DNA caught up with him because he had caught a drug case when he was he was an old man. You know, what I mean, he was like 71 years old and he caught a drug case. Um, he's dead now. He died in uh, 2020 at age 80. Um, he was apprehended in 2012. Now, he was already in jail when they apprehended him. And this man had been arrested over 100 times and only did 10 years in prison. And did he ever spend a- any time in the military? No. So what happened with him was when he was a kid, a youngster, his mother left him um, on the on like on the corner, just left him, abandoned him. And um, they think that they, she gave birth to him while she was in jail because she was a sex worker. So and she was a teenager. So she left him on the corner. And um, after a while, he went into foster care and then he was raised by his grandmother. You know, mm-hmm. um, and this is in Georgia, in Reynolds, Georgia. And then he went to Lorraine, Ohio. That's where he was raised at in, in uh, Lorraine, Ohio. And uh, he he was always doing like petty crimes, you know, breaking and entering, burglary, right. um, things like that. And then it, it eventually grew. It grew, you know, to doing more, more things. Mm-hmm. And he also was a boxer. You know, a little bit of time he was in prison. He was a, he was a boxer and was wanted to be a prize fighter. Mm. What happened with him was. He was still committing crimes and he got with a lady that was about 30 years older than him. She was about 70 years old and he was about 40 or something like that. Um, And this is when now his killing started in the early 70s. And -hmm. he got with this lady in the the late 70s, like 1979, 1980. And I think what what happened with him, he started looking at her as a motherly figure. And what they were doing was shoplifting and staying in hotels and moving around. That's why it was so hard to catch him, you know. And his thing was he when he met a woman, he was going to kill him. He knew immediately he was going to do it. He was going to kill him. uh, And his method of killing was choking him to death. He had an obsession with women's throats. And it wasn't just it wasn't just prostitutes. It was any woman that any woman. No, it wasn't just prostitutes, any woman. But the women that he did. But he did say out of his own mouth, the women that he did kill that were sex workers. He said 
that he knew that nobody would miss him. Mm. He, he knew he knew that was going to happen. So actually, he yeah. was arrested in a homeless shelter and uh, extradited back to California on a narcotics check on a narcotics case. And the DNA came back to a couple of murders that happened in 1987. And then and he didn't even. They didn't even know about the other ones. He volunteered that information once he got convicted of those three women that the DNA test came back for the 1987. He killed three women in 1987. Um, Audrey Everett, Guadalupe Apodaca, and Linda Alford. All happened in 1987 in July, September, and it doesn't say the date of the other one. Oh, August. August uh, 1989. So when he killed them, that's when the DNA came back. And then that's when he volunteered to give them the information on the other 80 something women. And they the detectives went to every place where these things were th- these things happened. And he knew exactly everything about it. He knew what the woman was wearing. He knew about a blanket that was there. He knew about all of it. He didn't forget any of it mm. for some reason. He didn't forget any of it. Of any of these, any of these victims, he didn't forget any of them. And one of the detectives said, he said that they put a murder on him that they knew he didn't do. But they wanted to see how he would react because they thought he was lying. Mm -hmm. They thought there's no way one man killed this many people. So when they brought that case to him, he said, no, I didn't do that one. That's how they knew they were telling the truth, that he was telling the truth. You know what I'm saying? So it's very interesting when you get I wonder what made him him decide to go ahead and just start. Because he knew um, he wouldn't get out of prison. When he got convicted of those three murders, he knew he was never getting out. So he said, he, he told the detectives, well, I got some secrets I need to tell you. And that's when he started talking. Damn. And he uncovered all these other murders going all the way from Florida, Michigan, all these different places, Texas, California. Um, and I, man, the, docu- the, the documentary that I saw on him wasn't really a documentary. It was more or less just like a news um, where they played. Um, they played like little, uh, you know, little interviews of him talking to detectives. And it was Mm -hmm. on the Law and Crime Network on YouTube. It's called Samuel Little, the most prolific serial killer in U.S. history, in his own words. It's on the Law and Crime Network. And something very disturbing that he said was, he said, oh, yeah. He said, they asked him, did you ever go back to these places where you had already committed these crimes? He said, oh, yeah, I went back all the time. He said, I go back there and see what I can pick off the vine. Oh, there goes a nice little grape. I think I'll pick that one this time. I was like, this motherfucker is a lunatic. Like, this is crazy. One of the guys described him as a as a sociopath, but they also thought that he was a genius. Yeah. 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 Very interesting. He called the 93 women he murdered his little 93 angels. Damn, that's a sick motherfucker. Yeah. So, man. Um, Yeah. So uh, that's champagne strikes for the day, guys. No, I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) I hope we gave you guys all nightmares. How about that? Yeah, really, dude. God, all get nightmares. Man. Thanks to the champagne shark. There, I'm, you know, and and one of the things is, of course, uh, everybody knows me and Mario are huge horror fans. I love horror movies, but um, I'm never gonna. I never. I know it's fake, right? It's like listening to hip hop. I can listen to gangster rap. I know Dr. Dre is not doing a drive by and right. a hopping six four. But there's people out here that will that think things are real and they take they start to emulate a lot of stuff that they see, hear, and experience. You know what I'm saying? They start to emulate mm-hmm. this. I think it's uh very interesting how someone can go from, I mean, and, and we, everybody knows my story. We we've had these conversations like where I come from and the things I've been through in my life, but I never wanted to start killing people. Not at all. I want, I never want to start raping women. You Not know? at all. Um, so there's something that snaps in some of these people's minds that sends them to a, another world. Well, with the grim sleeper, um, 
I see here with him, he was in a rape case when he was in the military. He was dishonorably discharged. Yeah. Um, for gang raping a 17 year old girl. Absolutely. It yeah. said that him and two other servicemen stopped and asked directions from the girl. She accepted. They put a knife to, or they offered to give her a ride home and she accepted. And then they put a knife to her throat, drove to a field and took turns raping her. And uh, they said, she said she was able to feign interest in Franklin and ask for his phone number. And that's how the police identified him. Yeah. It said during the gang rape, they took photographs of the girl. That's some sick shit. Yeah. They were taking pictures of her as they were raping her and stuff. And then he w- he incorporated that into his murders. Yes. Like I said, so, he had a shoebox full of pictures of the women that he was raping and killing. So I'm guessing that whatever thrill he got out of those that rape, that first rape, um, he took that and he could never let that thrill. He wanted to experience that over and over again. Yeah. You yep. know, and uh, maybe he felt like the fact that the mistake that they made is that they didn't kill the girl or something. Right. Right. Because that's how he ended up getting caught. Uh, because he fell for her pretending like she liked him. And he <laughs> he gives her his phone number. And then that's how they end up getting caught. And he got kicked out of the military. Now, think about that. So, you you just gang raped a woman. And then you, in your warped mind, think that she likes you and you give her your phone number. Right. That's crazy. That's absolute insanity. But yeah. who, if you think about it, who's saying that's doing that to somebody? Exactly. You know what exactly. I mean? Like. When you if you're participating in in a gang rape, I would imagine that's pretty insane. You doing that, so you know maybe in some sick way, you know he thought that the girl wanted it or something. Like yeah, they, she wants this, right? You know, and, and, I think, and I think there's a there's a lot of those dudes that think that way that when they're doing something like that to a woman, the woman wants it. Like you you hear stories about these guys that will. Uh, Maybe they're at the bar or at a, at a store or something. They see a woman and a woman just walks by and says, hey, how you doing? And in their minds, that means that they have open invitation to do whatever they want. Right. So when they do stalk the woman, like I just saw a video the other day of a man that was stalking a woman. He put a tracking device on her car mm. and the yeah. police called him. You know, it's crazy, man, is that's getting easier and easier for these dudes to do. I know I've, I've heard stories where um, dudes be going and buying, I guess, these these air tags or shit like yeah. that. And you could just get them and put them on somebody's car, apparently, and and um, track them down later. I didn't yeah. even know that was a thing, bro. But apparently, that's you can get those air tags from Apple, and and uh, you, the original purpose of them is to be able to track your stuff down if you lose it, you know. Right. But of course, but, people uh, are going to use it for nefarious. Activities. Right. And so that what's going to end up happening is they're going to the government's going to do something and make it illegal for people to own those devices or something crazy like that. Watch what I tell you. Or you're going to have to give some type of, you know, um, you're going to have to show ID. Yeah. 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 So uh-huh. that if something does go wrong, they can track who's doing it. But we already got your ID. So, yeah, yeah, you're not going to get away with whatever type of weird crime you got going on. I mean, this is in this day and age, there's so much weird stuff going on in the world. Like I always say, man, you know, you know, you don't really talk to your neighbors anymore. You see them come home from work. The the garage door goes up. They go in. You never see them. You don't speak to them. But then if you log on social media, they're on social media. 
You right. know what I'm saying? Saying weird shit. You know what I'm saying? Saying yeah. weird shit about Barack Obama who ain't been a president in like, <laughs> like <laughs> five years. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, saying uh, weird shit about libs and all, just saying weird stuff. That's funny you mentioned that, man. I was talking to one of my partners and he was saying that um his sister is like that. Like they 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 um they don't even live that far from each other. And he said, damn, man, I talk to you more on Instagram or Facebook yeah. than I do in real life. Like, what yeah. the hell's going on? That's very, I just that's thought that was sad. Man. That's very odd. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even like if I'm going to visit my family members, I don't call. I just show up. Like, if I'm going to go by my pops, mm-hmm. I'll just show up. If he ain't there, then I know he'll be there soon. So I'll just hang around. You know, right. just like it, that that human connection has been severed, you know, for these people, serial killers, human connection doesn't exist because they don't see humans as human beings. They just see objects. Right. Mm -hmm. And they all, all of them, all of those three serial killers that we mentioned tonight, they all said the same thing. They don't see these people as people. They're just objects. They're just things. Right. Right. Which goes back to whatever abuse or whatever they went through that ended up creating the monster that they ended up being. But even in the regular world with us, regular people, people don't really have a human, have connections with other humans. You know what I mean? It's it, even to the to the kids. You know, even to kids, people you hear parents talking about setting up play dates. Mm-hmm. Like your kids don't go outside and just play with the neighborhood kids. You got to set right, up a I play never, date. To, yeah, I, I don't. That's unheard of, man. Because yeah. we all went to school and played with other kids at school and stuff like that, and then we or we play with our cousins or siblings or whatever. And you got a chance. Now you got to set up a play date. You know, that's just a weird thing to me, you know. No, but you know, let me take that back because I did have like my friends that I was real tight with at elementary school. We did. We didn't call it no damn play date. But, you know, you'd have to holler at your mom and say, Mom, can you take me to my friend's house this week or whatever, you know, like that. But I don't know, man, it's just just a different time. But, you know, you and I both have daughters, Right. And, um, you know, I, I, I find myself paying more attention to this kind of stuff now, man. I'm not going to lie. Like I pay attention to the patterns and of these kinds of people. And I watch this stuff, not because I want to, but I feel like I have a duty to, to, be, to be up stay, on this stay kind of stuff. Of what's going on. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, by looking at like I, I, I used to live under the illusion that this is black folks don't do this kind of stuff. Right. Right. Like I, I used to to honestly believe that. You know what I mean? Well, you and, know how it I goes. Had, Everybody say uh, when something happens, well, I know that wasn't no black person that did that. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> and now, you know, now that we know what it is, I'm a, I'm going to be very um conscientious of that fact, man, and, and not really put nothing past nobody. You know, because right. I can't do that. I have a wife and a daughter that I have to watch out for and take right. care of. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. So I, I I can't give people the benefit of the doubt no more. Plus, like we got so many myths that in the community that would serve well to be shattered anyway Absolutely. or to be busted yeah. anyway. Yeah. So, you know, if this is one of them, it's just one of them, man. Like the whole thing about we don't commit suicide. No, we do. I got two cousins that's committed suicide. There you go. Maybe that was true at one point. Maybe that was true at one point, but that's not the case now. Mm -mm, mm -mm. You know what I'm saying? People have been associated, uh, assimilated, and associated into into society. To whereas you, as a black person, you don't have to live around other black people. So you're not going to be influenced by black people. You're going to be influenced by whoever's in your environment. You know? Yeah. Um, You remember during the pandemic there was that rumor that black people can't get COVID. 
<laughs> Remember that? <laughs> people were saying that black people can't get COVID, and oh yeah, because Africa didn't really have no COVID cases yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I have a bunch of, as if we in Africa, right? Okay. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah so there was all these myths that that pop up out of nowhere, and then as soon as black people started getting COVID, then it became a conspiracy. Oh, they they only giving it to black people. Oh, all right, right. Right. See, so okay. first we didn't get it. Then when they start getting it, it's a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy. Right. 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 First it was yeah. they didn't want. See, they trying to experiment on us with these uh, with these vaccines. Right. Then it was when they didn't bring the vaccines to the black. Why are they not bringing the vaccines <laughs> to the black? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> They're going to let everybody else get vaccinated. We can't get it. Now right. we're going to all have COVID. See, they're trying to kill right, us. Right, trying right, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, bro, I live in Portland and like 80% of the population is vaccinated and 99% of the population is white. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's but that's, I mean, I guess that's just from years and upon years upon years upon years of dealing with racism. You know what I mean? Racism yeah. is such a diabolical system white supremacy that you don't really understand how it 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 affects everybody differently including white people it, it affects everybody differently so you get these the you know uh if you're dealing with a racist white person the first thing they're gonna start talking about is what about chicago okay whatever <laughs> and then they're gonna start bringing up fbi statistics and all this other kind of stuff uh-huh. you're talking to a black person they're it's conspiracies you know right. what I'm saying? It's, it's it's all these things uh, really, it just goes to show you that we have to get rid of this system, okay? Like, this, the only solution is getting rid of it because it has ravaged everybody's minds. We love some conspiracies, man. Oh, I love a good conspiracy. Yeah. I love a good one. Now, I don't want to hear no conspiracies about no damn vaccines. I know that's bullshit. But uh-huh. a good, uh, you know, the Operation Paperclip and all that, oh, I love that shit. Well, there are real conspiracies. Absolutely. So that's the thing. Like, there are conspiracies that have been proven to be actual conspiracies. So Absolutely. Don't, don't get it Absolutely. twisted. Yeah. But, you know, um, I don't know, man. It's just, it's just I just get sick of hearing that everything's a damn conspiracy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Like when somebody tells me that the first thing I'm like, OK, well, let's say it is. What's the what's the because I OK, for a conspiracy for to me, it has to be somewhat internally consistent. Right. And there has to be a motivation behind why the conspirators are making it a conspiracy. Right. For exa- right. I'll give you an example. Right. There's the the moon, the fake, the fake lunar landing, right? Right. Now, see, that's one that I can get why they would do something like that, right? Yeah, because Russia I, was trying to get there first. And, right. You know, yeah. I could see that. I could see why, if that were the case, I could see why the United States would that would be a powerful tool of propaganda. Absolutely. Plus, it's just like, uh, goddamn, the most we went to the moon, and and since then, like the most potent accents device that we've made since then was the smartphone like are you right. serious right you know what i'm saying i get that i could get now i can't for the life of me understand why they would want to lie about the the shape of the earth <laughs> like i, I can't I, <laughs> like why would they want to lie and say that the earth is round right right if it's well, you really know, with flat. every good conspiracy there's always a, a a whack a whack brain conspiracy you know Right. Well, what would be that? Because there's no financial thing. There's nothing that you're not competing with. Any, you know, it's no America versus Russia or, you know what I'm saying? There's no financial um, incentive for them to make that up or whatever. It's just like, what would be the reason that 
they would be lying to us about the shape of the planet. Like what? Right. And no one can can tell me that. You know what I'm saying? So those are the type of things that that I look at as you know, if if I can find a financial motivating factor or just some type of consistency and why they would do it, then I say, okay, I could I could buy. Not saying I buy it, but I'm saying it's at least plausible. Right. So I'm not saying that they fake the lunar. The, the lunar landing, I'm just saying if there's one that I could see would be plausible, it would be something like It'd that. It'd be that one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, but other than that, you know, the, the flat earth and all that, I don't... <laughs> I mean, but where's the benefit? What do I gain out of belief? You know, okay, so say the, say the earth is flat. Okay, now what? Yeah, like what, what, does, what, what does that... Uh, like, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. I really don't know what that... I don't know. You have to ask one of them flat earth. Um, That's Kyrie Irving. Yeah, Kyrie or whatever. Then you got some people, they just believe everything's a conspiracy. And, and well, you know, because now all... you have, because, I, and I, I understand because now, you know, especially in today with the, the bombardment of media and just images and too much social media, um, it's easy to just believe all the other stuff because of whatever's going on in your own personal life. You know, right now, everybody is on the whole, the dollar's going to collapse. I'm like, okay, well, if it does, that's fine, whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, are you going to stop doing what you got to do to take care of you and your family? Right. But if you haven't, but if you're not doing those things, and I can understand why you're preying on the downfall of the economy, you're preying on the downfall of whatever, you know, mm-hmm. what I'm saying? because things are going right in your life. I mean, we see people online all the time talking about rent is too high. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying rain ain't too high. It is too high. Right. Right. But I'm not gonna stop going to work. You I gotta still do gotta what go you to gotta work. Do. Yeah. You know, I gotta sure. do what I gotta do in the real world. Yeah, absolutely, you know man. Absolutely. So, How many times have me and you complained about stuff while we chopping it up on the phone or whatever? But then it's at the end of the day, it's like, all right, well, let me get my ass up and go ahead and get back to work. <laughs> 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 I don't know what you, I don't know what you call that. Maybe we're just workers. Maybe, maybe we just you know don't have no fight left. We just some old broke dick dogs. We just some grumpy old men, man. That's we should get off my lawn, ass niggas, man. But I know, I know between the first and the fifth, I know that rent got to be paid, or that's my ass. I know that. That's a fact. You know, that's a fact. I, I, during the pandemic, there was a group here in Portland where they were talking about uh, trying to postpone. Um, or suspend rent and things like that. And I'm supporting them hundred percent, but they were mm-hmm. trying to tell me not to pay my rent. I said, you got me fucked up. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm black. You got me twisted. Yeah. I'll be the first yeah. motherfucker to get put out. No. Yeah, so they was telling people don't as it was as like a mass form of yeah. protest or something. Yeah. Don't pay your rent. And Man, then they wasn't telling them. people, they weren't telling people the whole thing was if you're not going to pay your rent, that's one thing, but you have to keep the money in an escrow account. So right. that if you do have to pay, the money is there and you can give them what you owe. Right. Now, there's a whole lot of people that's asked out in Portland homeless because they didn't keep the money. They spent it on whatever it is they want to spend it on. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. That's you know? that's the caveat to that whole little rule, man. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot of little laws and stuff that need to be revisited. Like I was thinking about writing my um my local my local councilman and stuff like that and my state representative about. Um, a couple of different things, but one of the things that I was, uh, I, I saw somebody get their car repossessed, um, at, at, uh, at one of these local grocery stores and the mom, it came outside with the daughter, man. And, and she had all kind of groceries and shit. And I get the guy, the car was gone. 
And, you know, she was just out there assed out and the daughter was crying, you know, somehow somebody oh, stole man. our car, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, I could hear the mom talking on the phone like, yeah, I guess they came and got the car. And I'm just like, damn, man, you know, on the one hand, I get it. You know, you got to pay what you owe, yada, yada, That's yada. Low. But then on low. the other hand, you know, it's been too many stories like that, especially out here in Cali. I don't know what it's probably I suspect it's probably the same up there where you at. Oh, yeah. Where, you know, these repo men is just just off the chain. You know, they'll come get you get your car while you, you know, you got the kid in the car and they oh, get yeah. the car and don't know the kids in there. And oh, yeah, just crazy stuff, you know, repossessing people's car, leaving them stranded in the middle of nowhere and like just weird stuff, man. So, oh, yeah, that happened um, a lot up here. Not to mention that they're professional thieves. So they'll get your car. And then, you know, whatever items of value that you have they in there, it. they're supposed to, yeah, they steal everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like these towing companies where uh, if you live in an apartment complex, they say you got to put this sticker in your window so your car don't get towed because they want to keep people from not parking there that shouldn't be there. But these towing companies will flat out lie and take your car. Yeah. And say you didn't have a sticker. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? We'll, we'll take your car. And then all of a sudden, you got to come out of your pocket. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I saw um, not too far from me, not down the street, uh, uh, one of those towing companies tried to do that. And his um, brother beat the brakes off this motherfucker, right? And come yeah. to find out that same towing company got in trouble because they were stealing cars. Same towing <laughs> company. They got caught. They were stealing wow. cars and had over $2.5 million worth of merchandise at the wrecking yard. And they all got indicted. It was some family that owned the towing company. They got indicted. That's why I call these dudes professional car thieves. Yeah, they're thieves. Yeah, that's still from you. Yeah. yeah, you go in there to go pick your stuff up, man, and they it's gone. Everything that you had in your car is gone. Yeah, yep. So I was thinking about uh, putting together something, man, and, and shooting it to my local congressman. Like, hey, man, what the hell's good? You know, y'all need to change these. Because I, I didn't notice, but these dudes, they they do read these, these, um, these letters and stuff like that. When you send them, they do yeah. read that shit. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. so it, it can make a difference, man. If you if you hit them up about an issue that, um, you know, especially if it's something that could probably get them some some brownie points come election right. time or something like that. Right. So, yeah, man, I was thinking about doing that. I don't know why that had been bothering me. I have my car repossessed, but, you know, um, seeing that is probably what is, is kind of what stoked it. But I heard other stories like that anyway. Oh, yeah. You know what oh, I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've heard plenty of stories like that. Someone come out of work and their car is just gone. And the thing about it is it's not that the person can't pay. They just ain't got paid yet. They might be a couple of days late. And and what it is, is these it's a lot of these shiesty dealerships. You know, mm -hmm. you go to a, a up here, you know, up here we have Dick Hanna, Bob Lamphere. These are big dealerships. You know what I'm saying? They give you a little more leeway. The banks do because the banks that they go through are more legit. But when you go to these little janky dealerships and they're dealing with, you know, uh, Ronnie Jenkins and them bank, you know what I'm saying? Some credit, <laughs> some some banking, some bullshit. You know uh -huh. what I'm saying? Next thing you know, they want to trip with you about not paying your car note on time and knowing that you've already established that that's when you're going to pay. And then they just start doing real, real weird, janky stuff. So, you know, that's definitely an issue. Um, I don't know how. Time. Yeah, for sure. I would be, you know, but uh Pretty sure they can figure something. But it's, anything is better than, you know, you're at the grocery store, you come out and your car's gone. I mean, right. Um, and then I'll be listening, reading people's reaction to it. And I just want to kick them in the nuts because it's like, dude, you know, 
okay, you could be a conservative, but goddamn, you know, You're just being a heartless well, ass. That's what. That's you need to pay your car payment on time. Yeah, okay, buddy. I hope nothing ever happens to you where you need some leeway. Well, those you know what I mean. You'll or find you out more about them. Like I love, you know, because uh, being that we do pod, we're podcasters and we love to do research. You know, whenever I see those type of interactions with people, I love. I'll go to their page and try to look and you know try to see what's going on. And mm. you'll find out is they ain't got shit either. They just talking shit. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. As much Give as you yeah. got shit to conserve. Yeah, yeah. They're the main ones. Because I think I told you this before. Like, I got a couple conservative partners that I deal with. The, they got a little bit of money. They don't act like that. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like, I, I and, and, you know, I know we, I love my leftist partners on the show. I'm st- I rock with y'all. You know that. But I'm saying the conservatives that I know in my personal life that have bread, they don't act like that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's always the ones that ain't got a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of that uh, that talk like that. Yeah, absolutely. You need to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. I worked three shifts, yeah. you know, to get out of it. Shut up. No, you didn't. You, you got a loan just like everybody else did. Shut up. Or you ain't got shit and don't want to see nobody else with nothing. Exactly. And then you get online lying. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's one thing about a racist. They love lying. You know what I'm saying? You don't have the credit to rent a to, to <laughs> you buy ain't a got car. Shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You ain't in a position right. to get your car repossessed because you never were able to get one in the first damn place. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, just little stuff like that. I had something else that I was thinking about writing him about too, but I can't. I can't think. I'm so tired, man. I can't think of it right now. But there's a couple of things I had on my list that I was going to hit up my uh, my local congressman about. Yeah, absolutely. Man. I'm, a, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a big favor and big fan of local politicians, man. You got to stay with your local politicians. And so, you know, what's going on. Yeah. Um, if there's ever a town hall meeting, I show up to them whenever, especially with the school board. I'm always mm-hmm. at those meetings because I want to know yeah. what's going on. Even though my kid is 19 in college, I still want to know what's going on because I look out for the other kids that right. are around here going through some things. Like we, you know, we're they're talking about uh, bringing armed security guards on on school campuses. Mm-hmm. I'm not in favor of that. Right. You know what I'm saying I believe that the community should be able to take care of themselves, but the community has to get their shit together. So right. when we have these PTA meetings, when we have these school board meetings. I'm like, wait a minute, what? This is just another way for you all to shuck your own responsibilities onto somebody else because what's going to end up happening is a kid, two kids are going to get into a fight. The security guard is going to say, stop fighting. They're not going to hear it because they're being emotional and fighting. He's going to pull out a pistol and shoot one of them. Mm-hmm. We can't have yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Can't have that. There has to be other solutions other than bringing grownups with guns on school campuses. That was that plays into the whole conversation about armed uh, armed teachers and all that kind yeah. of stuff. On these, yeah, we don't you see some that. of these some conversations happening with these teachers and these students. Man, you see yeah. some of these fights. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's happening. Oh yeah. like oh no, and I know I know some of these kids. Man, I got into, I got into a a, a little. I'm not even going to call it a debate because I wasn't even really debating the dude. He was trying to debate me, but I wasn't really. I was trying to more have a discussion with him. And uh, basically the dude, they were talking to, I think it was talking about spanking your kids. Mm -hmm. Because one lady made a comment about, man, I hear what y'all saying about this old gentle parenting movement. But uh, looking at how some of these kids are acting and how what's going on with some of these teachers and these kids. I don't know if that shit is working. and. Naturally, the people who are in favor of the the gentle parenting thing 
you know, they, yeah, you guys just love to torture your kids because of slavery. And you have that <laughs> slave mentality now and just using a bunch of um, hyperbole or whatnot. So I came in and I just made a comment to one of the guys. I'm like, yo, but the thing is, um, I'm pretty sure they don't love the idea of torturing their kids, um, you know, but you guys are using all this this ridiculous language describing what these people want to do. You know, you're never going to be able to have a, um, a real conversation with nobody to get your point across because you guys start talking crazy to the people who are who. Right. Who who maybe don't agree with the whole gentle parenting thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you want to have a conversation about it, then maybe you shouldn't come start off the conversation with, you guys just want to torture your kids like slaves. You know right. what I mean? Like, who's going to listen to you when you're talking like that? Something like, it was something like that. And then the dude started like getting like super serious about, I don't know if he had, I don't know if he got spanked when he was a kid or what, but you know, he was going, he was bad, you know? And, um, so he started going and start talking all these statistics and all this stuff. And I could have, I could have, I could have, um, you know, because the conversation I was having was a conversation about um, tone and tenor and how to have effective communication. Right. And then he started talking about, you know, um, when I was um, a kid, my mom hit me with a frying pan. No, he didn't. No, <laughs> no he didn't say that, but he was basically saying that um, he was saying that, the people who were against the gentle parenting method are in favor of, oh no, I'm sorry. Okay. Basically he was equivocating being in favor of spankings with being in favor of, of torturing and, and, you know, going overboard and being drooling at the mouth to whoop your kid's ass and stuff like that. And I was basically trying to tell the dude, I don't think, that's the case. You know what I'm saying? If if a parent is in favor of spanking, I don't think that you can paint them in the in the in the same picture as somebody who, you know, just can't wait to whoop their kid ass and all that kind of stuff. That's not necessarily the case. And then he was saying, well, the statistics show that, you know, 67 percent of parents favor spanking their kids. I'm like, well, yeah, but that's a different conversation than saying that these people favor abuse. So basically you're saying right off the cuff that any kind of spanking is abuse, right. which is a different conversation altogether, you know. But um, anyway, I say all this to say we was getting to a point where we were just talking past each other. And uh, you know how sometimes you be ready to type up a long response to somebody or something, but then you just be like, you know what? Fuck this, man. Oh, right. every, day. <laughs> every day. Every day. It happens every what, day. Every yeah. day, especially on YouTube. That's where it got with, with that dude. I was about to type up and go back it. and forth with him. But then I just say, you know what, man, I'm not about to even go there. Is where I get. Yeah. yeah, I don't even care anymore because now it's about you. Yeah. It's not even about the subject anymore. It's about you. It was like a conversation yeah. I had with someone and we were talking about social media and sports. And they were saying, oh, Michael Jordan them had it easy because they didn't have to deal with social media. And I'm like, not really, I said, because there's no guarantee that they would even use it. Mm -hmm. Social media is a choice. So if if you're saying if you're on so if I'm on social media, then I'm open to you saying whatever you want to say to me. But right. and I gave him an example of Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar is not on social media. Right. You can't find a tweet from Kendrick Lamar. You know what I'm saying? You can't find an Instagram post of something and is if it if it doesn't have anything to do with music coming out, he's not on social media. So right. you can't say that. 
Michael Jordan has it easier because there is no social media. Because we have stars today. Beyonce is not on social media. You know what no, I mean? but Michael Jordan and them, they had to deal with media scrums after every game. They're every literally game. obligated yeah. to go yeah. and have to stand in front of the media and answer a bunch of dumbass questions. Right. After every game. So right. I don't have to engage with nobody on Twitter. I Michael really Jordan. Don't. <laughs> oh, that's my that's my choice. Yeah. You know I what I'm saying? There's people NBA that have players, followers and, z- and they follow zero yeah. people. NBA players, nigga, they get fined if they yeah. don't show up to the, conf- the the press conference after games and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Especially in the playoffs. They, they're obligated to do that financially. I yeah. believe it's the same with the NFL. They're financially obligated to show up to the post-game conference. Even Marshawn Lynch proved yeah. that when he showed up. He didn't want to be there, but what did he say? I'm just here so I don't get fined. Right. He said that over and over and over again. I'm just here so I don't get fined. You know? Yeah. Now, I'm sure he probably could have paid the fine. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, he was there. So, yeah, you're obligated to be there to answer questions from the media. You know? Um, yeah. But to say that it was easier for them because they didn't have social media is a bunch of BS. But yeah, it is, yeah, is that yeah. a lot of people, I, and we've talked about this before, I think social media has given people too much access to people. You know? there's no, it, Look, if it was 1993 yeah. and Michael Jordan just retired and Michael Jordan's on Twitter, I don't know what the fuck. What am I supposed to say to him? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Michael Jordan, yeah. what, what? Michael Jackson's on Twitter. What am I? What are you going to say to Michael Jackson? Right. As much as people always got something weird to say about, say, two people these days. Like, I grew up in the era where, you know, you didn't hear or see Michael Jackson on TV unless he had a video coming out. He was performing or something like that. Like, I could remember when, remember the time was about to come out and there was a 24 hour countdown. Oh man, I remember that. You remember that? They did that for Remember remember the Time and uh, Smooth Criminal. And Bad. Yeah, and Bad. I remember it was Bad, yeah. It was a a countdown on VH1, 24 hours, and they would show all these old videos and old interviews and things like that. You know, it's not like that anymore because one, there's videos, there are no videos really anymore, but now everybody's on social media. So if I want to at LeBron James, I can now. He might not ever respond, but I get that off my chest to say to him, hey, man, you should have scored 40 tonight. But that's dumb. Mm-hmm. It's dumb. It's weird. You know what I'm saying? Well, what would I look like adding Troy Aikman in 1995? Hey, man, you threw an interception against the, the Giants. Right. What? So what? You know what I mean? I'm going to go to so, Barry Switzer. Yeah. Man, <laughs> hey, why did you call a draw play to Emmett Smith? <laughs> you know he's not that type of running back. The hell's wrong with you? I think we literally happened. did that too in the in the <laughs> NFC Championship game. He, he <laughs> I think what has happened is people have become so delusional with social media. I remember I, I I was more comfortable in the days when I felt like these people were doing something I couldn't do. I knew for a fact when Rakim rap, I know I can't do that shit. Mm-hmm. So what what do I have to talk to Rakim about? outside right. of music facts you know what i'm saying but that, that's see twitter was social media should be just for these artists to put out their new product or whatever to their fans right you know what i'm saying to touch bases with their fans like hey man i'm dropping this new single on the 13th right or whatever you know what i mean but like now these dudes are just basically you know yeah today i had the Today I had a steak with garlic butter sauce on top of it. You guys like this restaurant? Right. And then, you know, they start talking about what's your favorite restaurant to go eat? You know, y'all just, 
you, you, you're taking away a lot of the um, the amenity, right? The not only the amenity, but also the the uh, mystique. Yes, you're taking yes. away some of that mystique, and you're just making yourself look like a regular person. And then these people feel like they could just run up on you and talk crazy. And that's honestly, why we get. I believe mystique is needed when it comes to celebrities like uh, artists, you know. Yeah, especially athletes. I mean, yes. my God. You see how they be talking to Terrence Crawford when he be tweeting on there and he be going back and forth with these idiots. I'm like, yeah. man, don't get your ass off of Twitter doing you're, that. You're a champion boxer. You don't need to be talking right. to these people, man. They don't understand. You're one of the best to ever do through. it. And you, yeah. you, you, you sitting up there, they be talking to him like he just a a, a bum nigga on the like street. He's just some amateur. Like he's an amateur yeah. that's the YMCA boxing. Yeah, I could whoop your ass. You ain't gonna do nothing. <laughs> like, okay, buddy. Same thing with uh with Spence, man. They be yeah. they be talking crazy to these athletes, man. And then the, the Kevin Gar Kevin Durant. Yeah, Kevin he's Durant. He's the worst. Yeah, he's the worst. Yeah. You know. Yeah, but I think for him, he grew up in the social media era. You know what I'm saying? So it's mm. almost like he's so yeah. used to being on social media that he's incorporated into to a part of his game. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. he has since he had got caught with that burner account, he pretty much owns it now. He's on social media interacting with people. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Damian Lillard interacts with people a lot. You know, I get it for their generation, but you got to have some mystique, man. If I'm a dude that can average 35 a game, I ain't saying that to nobody. Yeah. I want that mystique. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. MJ was averaging 40 a game. He ain't talking to, you know, I, I used to have, I had a friend, um, he used to do, this is when eBay first started. And he used to get uh, autographs. He used to sell autographs on eBay. And he would show up to like, uh, if the Bulls were in town, he'd be, they, he knew what hotel they stayed at. He'd get, go down there and try to get autographs oh, okay. and things like that. Right. Um, and he said that he met, he messed up one time because Michael Jordan and the Bulls came and he was trying to get Jordan's autograph, but Jordan just kept on walking and he like had his hand up and he didn't know that he had like some type of ink on his hand and he accidentally touched Michael Jordan's jacket. And it's this ink spot on his jacket. <laughs> it's an ink spot on his jacket. And he was trying right. to find a way to apologize. But, you know, they were they were gone or whatever. But even for the when he, he even said that when they were trying to get autographs, they just wanted to autograph and go on about their business. They weren't really trying to have conversations with these dudes because he knew that they were there. They had a job to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It wasn't they weren't there on some, you know, weird stuff, you know. Yeah. But sure. that's where we're at now, you know. That's where we're now. We had this is a weird. This conversation took a weird turn toward the end. Huh? We, yeah, we had to brighten this shit up. Talking about killers, serial killers. <laughs> yeah, that's shit. true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, man. But that was but, just uh, a top. But that was a topic that yeah. I was really interested in talking about. And I wish T could have came on because T said he used to be obsessed with those serial killer documentaries. So I know he. Oh, I know added he know all kind of crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Tidbits and you know, all T that. analytical, and plus T's a, a masochist, so you know that motherfucker knows. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll do. Uh, did he say he come on uh, on the weekend or something? Yeah, yeah. He said he'd be recording on the weekend. Okay, maybe we'll get maybe we'll do a part two on it on on the week this week. And, and to the Discord, you know what I'm saying? For the people in the Discord, man, if you guys want to, you know, know more little, you know, have a little more information about what we're talking about, throw that stuff in the Discord because there's some, you know, I 
this is my first time ever watching these documentaries. I never really was into it. You know, I knew about, you know, the Menendez brothers and OJ and all that, but I never really dove into that rabbit hole of serial killers and their mindsets and where they lived and how they did these things. I don't get off on them killing people. To me, it's more or less about the mindset. Like, what the fuck sure. is wrong with these people? You know? Yeah. And, and like I said, for me, it's that. And I just want to be aware of this kind of stuff, yeah, man. Like yeah, I said, I used yeah. to try to avoid it. Um, and, you know, because I was like, man, I don't want to be watching nothing about no. But then I'm like, well, you know what, man? I got a family, bro. So yeah. I got to, in a way, I feel an obligation to try to understand, you know, if if not the mindset of these dudes, I want to understand their tactics. Right. You know, and, and how they how they operate and then create my own little countermeasures for, for shit like that. You know what I mean? Like absolutely nothing is foolproof, but you know, shit. It's better to you it's know. better to it's better to know what what they say at the end of G.I. Joe and knowing is half the battle. Knowing is half the battle. And somebody else once said better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. You Man, know what I mean? So absolutely. I, I I'd rather understand and try to you know i don't want to prepare is a strong word but uh you know be aware of that kind of stuff so it don't catch you off guard totally you know what i'm saying your neighbor your neighbor that uh he reminds me of remember fright night the first Fright uh, night. yeah exactly hey man dude was aware now i got him fucked up uh, yeah charlie was the original karen Right. Charlie was the original Karen, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie hey, was passing he was... up having sex with his girl just to see what that vampire was doing. <laughs> He's over there kissing on Amy and having the binoculars out spying on Jerry Dandridge. Man, I tell you. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I'm a, you know, I'm going to watch that movie tonight. I'm going to probably pop oh, that on. Oh, it's one of my favorites, man. The first Friday night. I've seen, you've seen the second one. Yeah. The second one's uh-huh. not that good. But the uh, first one's good. It's got the one that it's got the black dude. What's that black dude's name? Man, he's mad in every movie. Every movie that dude play in, he's angry. And he plays the, the, the detective and they go over to Jerry's house and uh he jump in his car and told him, Man, if you call me again, talking about he's a vampire, I'm gonna lock you up. <laughs> I don't know, but it seemed like that dude has always had gray hair. Like he's had back. gray hair from the beginning. Yeah. Was it was he in a soldier story too he when was. that movie came Absolutely out? Absolutely was, yep. Yeah, yeah. It seemed like no matter how long you go back, that dude had gray hair. His name is Art Evans. Art Evans. Art Evans. I think he's still alive, too. Yeah, Art Evans is still alive. Art Evans has played in everything from uh, Metro. He was in Metro with Eddie Murphy. He's been a lot. I think he was in one of the Beverly Hills Cops, I think. I can't remember. But he's been around for a long time. But he's in Fright Night. Yeah, they said he's been active for 40 years. He was in Death Wish, the original Death Wish. He was in Claudine. Led Claudine? Yeah, he was in Claudine. He was in the Soldier Story. Jojo Dancer. Everybody seen Jojo Dancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Native mm-hmm. Son. He was in uh, the Mighty Quinn. He Die had a role in Everybody Hates Chris. I don't yeah, know. That. He was even in CP4. <laughs> Great White Hype. He was in Great White Hype. He was in Great White Hype. Is the minister? He was the minister in Great White Hype. Oh, okay. Damn, I haven't seen that movie in ages, man. I might have to check that out again. Yeah, he was in. Uh, I got an actor for a long time. Wow. Okay. Okay. Die Hard too. He was in Trespass. He played the bum in Trespass. He was the first dude. That, he was the first person to get killed in uh, Christine. He, he. It was a black person in Christine. Yeah, it was him. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> I don't remember that. Yeah. He was in Christine. Say. 
He was in Christine. It, yeah. There was a black dude in Christine that remember, got killed. Remember in Christine when the car was inside of the, uh, it was inside of the shop and the dude went in there and he started messing with the car and he got in mm-hmm. and the seat started smashing that. him. No, I don't remember that. Yeah, that was that was him. That was him and Christine. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Let me see. He was in Ruthless People. He was in Young Caesar. He was in uh, he was in School Days. Damn. Yeah, he was he was the um, he was the chancellor's friend. He was like the part of the um, he was like a part of the the he was like. So you had the school president and he was like the advisor to the school president. And he was like telling the school president, hey, man, you need to get this uh, all this uh, pro black stuff off the campus because you're messing up the money. Mm, interesting. Yeah, he was in school days. He was in always outnumbered adventures and babysitting. <laughs> that dude was in adventures and babysitting. I ain't yeah. seen that. Yet. 30 years, man. Murder was the case. What the hell was he doing in Murder was the case? I don't remember him in that. I haven't seen Murder was the case in a long time, so I can't say I remember him from that. But if they say he was in it, I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was just taking any role. Fun like, what you Dick got? <laughs> Let me get that. <laughs> <laughs> he was in fun with Dick and Jane. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No matter what it's it is, I want to act. Yeah, he was in Into the Night with Michelle Pfeiffer and uh, Steve Goldblum. Oh, wow. Damn. Yeah, he's been the around. Story of Us, National Lampoon's Class Reunion. He was, he was in that in that movie, his character was probably the black student or something. The black, exactly. You know, yeah. the black guy, random black right. guy. That's what it said. Black guy number 10. Right. <laughs> yeah. Damn, so he's been around as long as John Amos. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because John Amos has been around for oof, years, yeah, around 45 for years, years, 40 years, 45. No, 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 longer than 40 years, because that's 40 years ago is 1983. So, yeah, way longer than 40 years. Damn. Yeah, man. All right, man. Let's wrap this thing up, man. Got me on Everybody has nightmares from our serial yeah, killer conversation, yeah. right? Yeah. But uh, I want to thank everybody for coming in and checking us out. Find us on Twitter. Well, no, we can't because T hasn't put up the Twitter page again. The Twitter page will be back up soon. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm not responsible enough to control it, so it's either gonna have to be <laughs> gonna have to be Mario or Aaron. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not responsible enough. I'll get it banned. Um, but you can find us on Patreon. You can find us on YouTube at Champagne Sharks. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Tune, um, uh, Apple Podcasts, everywhere. You Google Champagne Sharks. Everything's going to come up for the simple fact that nobody uses that name for anything but us, which is a great thing. Yeah. And become a member. Become a patron. Please. Please become a patron. You don't need that 40 ounce of old English. Right. Right. Use that 40 ounce of old English money to be a patron. Learn something. Exactly. Don't buy. Put them cigarettes down. Cigarettes down. Cigarettes. None of that. You know, use that money. To become a patron and, and, and get some of this good uh, podcast energy from. And that's another thing also, guys, um, aside from the Twitter page, um, we also want to get back to uh, recording on a regular basis. You know, um, life catches up to us, you know, and a lot of a lot of different things going on in our personal lives that have kind of gotten us away from being able to get together and record on a regular basis. Uh, we, we're making it a goal to get back into that. You know, yeah, we're going to overload y'all with a lot of content. Exactly. So be on the lookout for that, man. We coming yeah. stronger and uh, getting back to getting back in the swing of things, so to speak. So you're going to get a yeah. lot of content. We just did our episode on Snowfall. 
we're going to do another one on Snowfall because Vita was was not a, around for that. I wanted her to watch uh, the series and then um, do another podcast on that. Um, we're going to keep going. You know, we ain't going to stop. So summertime is coming. It's going to be a lot of lot of lot of content coming. Real good stuff. Coming. Yeah, so, uh, we're going to mix it up. We're going to give you a good dose of entertainment talk. We're going to give you some some intellectual stimulation. We're going to give you some food for thought. You know, we're going to do another music episode, too. Oh, yeah, we're definitely doing another music episode. T is actually going to be putting some something together um, on the QAnon book. So I'm not going to give too many spoilers on that, but he's going to be recording. So look out for that episode coming real soon. Um, I don't know if we'll we'll all be. I think he's interviewing an author. So I don't know if we're going to be a part of that one. Uh, but look out for us. Well, I mean, we're all one. So if you get me, you might get Mario, you might get T, you might, you might get Vita. You never know who you're going to get, but you're going to get the Champagne Sharks. Yes, indeed. So thank you for everybody for tuning in. Holla at your yes. boy. Peace. Peace. <laughs>